0: Welcome to Horns Up, where after five weeks of straight-up doom, we're finally turning up the death and punk to 11. And that's because we've got a straight-up, no-holds-barred interview with a band from Oakland that's scorching up the season with a blistering album. The album is Mortals and the band, yes, you know it, Necrot. Now Peter, this album is certainly getting a lot of positive word of mouth, so much so that it's even hit the Billboard charts. Why do you
1: think that is? First of all, it's a terrific album. I mean, Mortal has been on repeat, or at least on my playlist for the last month or so that I've had it. So definitely the music on its own stands. But I think uh, the band has also built like a good amount of buzz, uh, you know, over the last few years. And uh, yeah, they've done a great job on this album. So full power to them, man.
0: Yep, absolutely. I for one absolutely loved the production. Played through headphones, it sounds like you're in a jam room with the band. It has that album polish to it, but at the same time, it's still so awesomely raw and energetic uh, that truly, man, it's like it's almost encapsulating a live set. But of course, not not at a live gig, but uh, like you know, in a garage with the band or in a jam room with the band. It's that intimate besides that the songs themselves don't really leave any room for distraction and uh, yeah this is a sweet 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 album so on to the podcast today we are talking to necrot's luca indrio and yes it's a brutally honest chat about all things mortals. and then some here
2: we go
1: and we're joined by luca from necrot hi luca how are you doing today
2: hi thanks for having me i'm doing very good
1: yeah and we're really glad to have you here on the Honza podcast. Uh, you know, one thing that I really want to know is that your debut album, Blood Offerings, right? It was so yes. well received both by the underground as well in the mainstream, and you know, it's surprising for a metal act, but it earned the number 29 spot on you know Billboard charts, the hard rock chart, as well as number 52 on the Billboard New Artist. So. With all that, you know, behind you, what were your expectations going into recording Mortal?
2: Well, we, we began, uh, basically after Blood Offerings came out in 2017, we had like three years of intense touring. We played so many shows. We played over a hundred shows every year. And we got to tour with some of the best band of death metal that ever existed because we've been on tour with, um, Morbid Angel, Cannibal Corpse, uh, Immolation, uh, Suffocation, Exhumed. So, we shared the stage with so many good bands through those years that, like, you know, and we played so many shows that is like, we got so much better. We got so much better as a band and, like, you know, we play better and we are more confident of what we're doing. So, it's like, you know, there was pressure into doing a better album than Blood Offerings, and Blood Offerings was very well received. But at the same time, we knew that we could do it. You, we, we knew that this album was going to be better. And like, for us, Mortal is way better than Blood Offerings. Not that Blood Offerings is a bad album. I love Blood Offerings. I think it's a great album. But I think that like, you know, the experience that we had in the three years that followed Blood Offerings before Mortal was written and recorded gave us the confidence and, and the power to make something better, even better.
1: I've also read that you know Necrot has taken a lot of pain in getting you know your sound right, right? I mean, you had three demos and then the first album. So the question is: Is Model the best sound for Necrot?
2: Yes, definitely. I think so. Yes, it's the best sounding album. We, uh, you know, because also like in the last three years, we became better musicians, but at the same time. Even Greg Wilkinson, the person we recorded with, he also became better at what he was doing. So he also became a better sound engineer, a better studio, like, you know, he bought new stuff, he learned some new tricks. So it's like we are all progressing and also like we worked uh, for the master, we worked with Alan Douche, which is one of the best um, mastering engineers available so and greg are the the person who greg Wilkinson, so the person that recorded and mixed the album has worked with alan before for example on the new uh, latest high on fire record that even you know won some grammys and like uh, yeah, yeah you know we're talking That's... about like we were talking about a, a team of people working with us that is like you know top shelf It's like you know the best of the best so it's like, you know, and we have uh, a sound that is very similar to what we sound live. It's not that we go into the studio trying to find something different. You know, we're people that we've been playing music for decades. And like, even our guitar player, Sonny Reinhardt, is a sound engineer for live concerts. He has been a sound engineer for, for, for 20 years. So it's like, oh, he okay. also has a lot of knowledge of how to sound good. And like, you know, so we always sound good. So it's like, and we have people recording us that are really talented and really professional and they have years and years of experience so it's like the combination of all these things makes it so that like you know they can capture they can capture our sound really well and they can make it sound as good as possible you know and i think that the result is fantastic i think the result is of the album the way it sounds the guitar tones the sound of the drums The volume of the vocals on top of the music, everything is like exactly where we wanted it to be. So it's like, I think there is also an improvement uh, from Blood Offerings, not only on the songwriting, not only on the fact that we're better musicians, but I think that like we were also the people that recorded and mastered the record are better and like, you know, that they used to be and like, you know, and uh, it makes it so the album can sound as good as it can sound. We're very happy with the final result, extremely happy. Also, because we know that we put so much work into touring and getting tighter and getting better as a band, that we know we are a better band than we used to be in 2017. Mm.
0: Awesome. I'm, glad you, yeah. uh, I'm glad you said all of that because I'd just like to build on it a little bit. I mean, the first, one of the first things that I took note of on uh, this album was how crisp the drums sound as well as the fact that they are mixed so bloody well. You've got uh, you've also got the cymbals and some of the toms panned left and right that almost mimics uh, the live sound as, it, uh, as such that you guys were going for. Can you talk to us about, you know, when you went in to start recording this entire thing, what was the kind of brief as such that you shared with uh, all the engineers as well as the uh, Mastering and mixing professionals, etc. Uh, what was the essence, as such, of the sound that you guys really wanted to capture? Because
2: that was well, one of the we, shining sorry. points on this record. We wanted it to sound like, a, like a good old metal album sounds. Like you know, like an old metal album that sounds great. That's what we wanted it to sound. We didn't want it to sound too modern, but at the same time, we didn't want it to sound weak you know we still wanted it to sound big but we didn't want it to sound like we still like to have drum sound that is as close as possible to natural you know sometimes you have albums where they use a lot of triggers yeah where the drums yeah. are very much it's on the high and like you know
0: a, just mic the drums up properly
2: exactly that's, that, that's as always as our, as, uh, our goal that's our goal and that's also why we sound good when we play live is like you know we always want to sound live We always want to sound good and like and play really good so the work of the person that record us is also much more easier because once like you know greg what he has to do is capture the way we sound you know and then also like the person who mastered the record alan Duchesne, is like he works he's he's an older person like you know i don't know exactly how old it is, but he might be like 60 or something and he has been (laughs) working in this in the same room you know, in the same room with, with, with mostly the same equipment for like decades. And it's really important when you master an album to know exactly how the room where you work in sounds like. And this is a person that knows this room as well as he knows his pockets, you know, because he has been working there for so long. So it's like he's able to give... I feel that like, you know, this album sound, to me sounds wider. You know, like 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 you say, like, you know, the the drums sound like live, so, sounds three dimensional, you know, like like you're in a live concert almost. Like, you know, it takes a lot of I think the album sounds wider, like like bigger, but not bigger in the sense that it gets muddier or like, you know, is all like you know, it's, it's like it sounds big. Like is like you're listening to it and it's like, you know, it's the sound is surrounding you. It's not just all in front of you. If you know what I mean. And I think that's Completely. a great talent of, of of the mastering. That's a great talent of Alan Duchesne is like, you know, we did step it up like, you know, it was like a way more expensive too <laughs> for the band to, to, to get such a, like, you know, a talented, you know, best of the best mastering. And but we decided that to do it that it was worth it, you know, and it is worth it. It is extremely worth it.
0: I must say, I, I absolutely agree with you because having really good production actually makes the songs and the songwriting really shine as well. And let's talk about that since we've spoken so much about the production already. Let's talk about the songs itself. Uh, You know, there are very few parts on this entire album where the riffs slow down. There's almost no let up throughout, right from the beginning, right uh, to to the very end of uh, the 35 odd minutes long that this uh, album is. So the question really is, Uh, Do you have a method or a formula to pace an album? And
2: would you mind talking to us Mm -hmm. a little bit more about that? Well, I do have a lot of control because it's like I, I, I write all the songs. So it's like, you know, when I write an album, I think about the album in its own entirety. I don't think about like just placing a bunch of songs one next to each other. Is like I do like to keep the album interesting. I do like to think about the album from the perspective of someone who's going to sit down and actually listen to the whole album. I don't want it just to be a mix of good songs. I want it to be like a good experience from the beginning to the end. And I do have a formula. I do have some like, you know, things that I follow, like, you know, I like to have like uh, the first song on the intro, for example, I like it to have like uh, an intro an intro that is memorable, an intro that is immediately get your attention, you know, because I don't want a song with this really long or with a really catchy intro to be in the middle of the album. Like I'm going to put it at the beginning so that I can get your attention, you know. And then it's like usually I like to have the first few songs to be more direct, more aggressive. While if there is a song that that is less easy listening, that is more... Uh, variegated or a little different for what we usually do I like it to come for example in position number four when you already had a first aggressive maybe faster and more direct listening for the first three songs you know I, I put three songs that you're able to digest pretty well and then eventually on the fourth one I'll put something that it requires a little more of attention a little more of listening you know but and that it changes a little bit the vibe of the album so that you don't get bored and keep your attention you know so i do have a way of like you know i think that is very important to to create an album that is that is beautiful to listen from the beginning of to the end that is not just a bunch of songs that are really similar to each other you know i like to have our own sound but i do like to have very different songs because it's like there is songs on the album that you know if you listen to them next to each other they're very different like if you yeah. listen to, yeah. for example, I don't know if you listen to the whole album, but like if you listen yes. to Stench of Decay and then mm-hmm. if you listen to the last song, Mortal, they're extremely different songs from each other, but you can still, we still have our yeah. tone, we still have my vocals, we still have our style and our, our sound, so you know it's the same band, even if the cool. songs are very different Are very different, but it's like, you know, I like to keep it that is like, you know, it makes sense all together but i like to push it to like kind of like i like to push some song to the limit of like you know of different things so that the album is like enjoyable to listen through it and usually when i write the new al- a new album usually when i write the first two or three songs i try to write them without thinking too much about it but then after the first three songs i start thinking about what does the album need I immediately start thinking about like the positioning of the songs. I need I start thinking about like, you know, writing a closure song, which is different than thinking about writing a song that is in the middle of the album or at the beginning. So, yeah, I do put a lot of thought. There is a lot of thought that I put into it. You know, I don't just write a bunch of songs and then try to paste them together.
1: Wow, that's so great to hear, because I mean, for both animation, me love listening to albums like start to finish and with with Mortal. Yeah, me too, me too. Comes across yeah thank but, you you know ha- having said that what was your musical objective with mortal i mean what message should listeners take away from the songs and the album as a whole
2: well to me it's like you know i always try and write like because to me it's like i have uh, i love the classics i love like you know the classic death album i love the classic morbid angel albums i love the classic Immolation albums. I love the classic early Sepultura album. You know, those are albums that they're like timeless. You know, that they're gonna stick with people that loves this music forever. You know what I mean? Because they're like they they really become part because of the sound, because of the lyrics, because it's, they're complete pieces of art. You know what I mean? They don't miss anything. They're perfect in their entirety. So it's like I always try and strive to create something as close as possible. To something like that, so I always try and write an album that is like uh, that can be perceived as something that is got like you know those classic tones, those classic sound, those classic solos, the classic songwriting. Because I feel that sometimes, like in the past, bands used a song uh, a song structure that used to be easier, you know, more accessible. Like you know, they have choruses, the repeats parts that repeats and like you know what i mean a song structure that is a little simpler because later on death metal i feel like as be, initially i think it was more aggressive and it was more related to punk and thrash metal while later it became a lot of different things like you know it became new metal it became prog death metal like you know some bands became super fast or super not super fast but like because there was super fast bands super before technical. but like you know they became Super technical. Yeah. And that became like, you know, something that death metal fans look for. They want a band that is playing something really complicated. Some metal fans are like that. And it's like, to me, I always refer more to things that were more primal, more at the beginning of death metal, more of like, you know, I'm talking about the Nihilist demos. I'm talking about Altars of Madness. I'm talking about Dawn of Possession. You know, I'm talking about this classic. For me, when I say classic, that's what I mean. And to me my dream since i was little it was like you know aspiring to write and create a band that can be aspire as much as possible to create something that is in the vein of these amazing things that have been done in the past but also it's like mm. you know i think i've got this influence this influence comes a little bit from where i come from too because it's like i, I was born in florence in italy Okay, And you know the uh, and, uh, you know the city of Florence, you know the history of it. I don't know if you do, but like maybe you know a little bit of it, but it's like you know we had in Florence, we had the Renaissance in the 1500s, no in uh-huh. the 1500s, 1600s, uh-huh. and it's like we had these absolute artists that was ded- they were dedicating their life to art, and they created masterpieces that to these days. They're unbelievable, you know what I mean? Michelangelo, Raffaello, Donatello, all, all this, these amazing artists, no? So when you when you yeah. grow up in Florence, you have this example of art that is like, we mm. really glorify the classics. We really right. glorify the classic as something that is like, unrepeatable and untouchable. And as an artist, even if you are a sculpture or an artist that paints, when you grow up in Florence, Italy, what you're aspiring to is to try and do something that is somewhat close to these amazing things that were done in the past. So it's like, you know, I grew up with a little bit of this idea of like, you know, your goal needs to be to create something that can be somewhat, maybe, you know, aspire to do the best you can to do something that can become immortal, like these pieces of art from the past. You know what I mean? And not as much like, you know, a new band that is remembered for being very technical or, or creating something completely new. You know, for me, as my goal has always been, like, you know, create somewhat of something that can be a classic. You know what I mean? And only time can tell if something is a classic or not. But, like, you know, for me, my aspiration of beauty is always creating something that can be somewhat recreating the feelings that people get when they look at one of those art uh, pieces of art from the past, from, from these beautiful periods, or like or people that can get that feeling when they listen to one of these classic albums of death metal, like you know what I mean? Like earlier you know, the first Bolt Rover, Rome of Chaos from Boltrover. You know what I mean? Or something like that. That is something that is untouchable and immortal forever because of his, you know, is like his transcend beyond beauty, you know, it's something else. And it's like to me it's like, you know, I'm not saying that like my band is anything like that. It's like, you know, we are a relatively new band, but I can tell you that that's always been our aspiration to be like, you know, because we will listen to these classic albums and be like, this, this music is unbelievable. And I remember having this conversation, even with Chad, when we first started, I'd we'll be like, how did they do that? And like me and Chad were like, they were probably playing all day, every day. So that's what we were trying to do. We were trying to practice every day because we wanted to to really push our our talent to the maximum extent of it, you know what I mean, with no limits. And it's like, even since we started playing so many shows, we have been able to improve so much and, like, push our talents to the very maximum by doing it so much, you know, and dedicated so much time to it that is, like, sometimes, you know, you get the confidence that maybe, because you know how hard you've been working for it. You get the confidence that maybe you'll be able to, to do something like that one day, you know, or at least something close to it, or at least aspire and trying to do the best you can. But at the same mm. time, with the consciousness of, of the hard work you, you're putting, so it's like, you know, you, you start to believe that maybe you can do something great, you know, because yeah. you really are yeah. putting your best effort into it. You're, it's not just something that you're doing half-assed, you know, and then hoping for a great result. You know, it's something that you're doing to the maximum and then hoping for a great result, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. No, I mean, what you just said, what you just said helps helps us understand one of the lines in your press release as such uh, to the absolute perfect degree. And it's a line that goes and I quote, "Uh, we always wanted to write an album that 20 years from now would be remembered as a true classic of the genre, right? that's an actual quote that you guys have yes. used in in your press note so now so here's here's the flip side of the question right uh, why yes. is this, uh, why do you have this need for permanence i mean there's always the idea that an album is a product of its own context and its own circumstances and its own reality right that's the flip side yes. of it but why uh, well, why is there a need to bring
2: to for, for the album to be this permanent as such, Well, to me because it's like for me, an album to be considered a true immortal uh, thing classic, it needs to be completed. So it needs to have like you know great music, great performance, great guitar solos too, but at the same time also lyrics that can be applied now as they can be applied to the future like you know sometimes you listen to songs from the 80s or the 90s and you listen to the lyrics and to this day like 40 years later they're still very actual they still make total sense today you know what i mean and i feel that like you know necro is also a band that, like my lyrics they are not complicated you know i'm not using words that people don't understand i'm not writing things that i saw on someone else's book like since the beginning we have we had very direct lyrics and our lyrics have always been political and there's always talk about social issues but they've also always been very philosophical and talk about like you know our mortal condition and like you know uh, the fact that like you know we are here but mm, we are really uh, some you know like the song shadows and light from blood offerings talks about like you know detaching from your From your uh, mortal life and the things that that brings you to believe, you know, and live your life knowing that everything is going to end and know that everything is impermanent and like, you know, your life is going to end. The people that you love, you're going to lose them sooner or later, or even the things that you have, your job, your house, everything can be gone, your health, you know, so it's like, it's important to live your life detached a little bit detached from reality because reality is terrible and it's like, you know, we live in a world that is based on injustice and we see injustice every day, even when you walk out of your house. And that's also substantial Decay talks about that, you know, people are driven by greed and driven by the research of power and money and success. And like they don't look in anybody's eyes and they're ready to do horrible things to, to achieve Things that like you know they think they're so they think they're so important because they're so attached to their mortal life and they're so attached to this reality and this planet when when the reality is that is like I truly believe that we are way more than like just just mortal human being that is like you know the, the the things that happens on this planet I don't believe they're that important and it's like you know people spend so much time getting mad. And losing their minds because they lost a the person, because they lost something, because something didn't go the way they expected, or like, and it's like that's a way of of living that always brings to suffering and always brings you to live life in a way that is that is uh, it, it will bring you suffering because you're always gonna have this expectation and also it's like you know live. It. That's why we call this album "Mortal" too because for me this has always been like such a thematic that is so important of being like you know know that you're mortal and know that mm, not only you're gonna die when your life ends, but you're gonna die a million times during your life. And I feel that like this pandemic is teaching people this too a lot. Because lots of people right now are losing everything or they're losing what they thought. You know, sometimes people have eventually have worked on a business and creating a family for 20 years and whatnot. And right now, eventually they're losing their house, they're losing their job or like eventually they're even losing their wife or their relationship you know and people are if you if you live like you always are entitled to all the things that you have you're always gonna suffer more than you're supposed to And like for us is like you know this philosophical way of seeing and then talking in the in the lyrics of of our mortality and like detachment from like our our material world like uh, it's part of our lyrics together with like you know social injustice and all of this has always been part of our lyrics And I feel like the more and more time goes by and the more and more our lyrics are relevant to the reality of of the present time and probably also the future. Like, you know, I feel that like our lyrics don't talk about specific things of the present, but talk about something that is the human condition, which will always be. So that's also like I feel like that that's something that if you're trying to do something that will last a long time is good to have contents that is very direct and talks about eventually things that people don't like to think about but it's important that people think about and it's important that people face this kind of reality and it's like to us is i feel that like my lyrics are gonna be as valid like even the lyrics from our first song we ever wrote that we wrote in 2011 that is called consume control talks about the social condition of being used by your uh by society by the governments to make you believe that you're gonna be rich and that you're gonna have all this comfort but in the reality all that they are selling you Mm -hmm. is like they just want they just want your time they just want you to be bound to working forever that's why they want you to believe you can afford things that you cannot afford and and they they let you pay for them a little bit every month but then it's like every month you get like more and more uh enslaved in the work system that never allows you never allows you to be free because you're always behind into paying all these things that you like you know they make you believe that you need for your comfort but truly if you don't have a television you're still gonna be happy because you still have books you still have people to talk with you still have other things to do and it's like you know if you don't have a house that is so big It doesn't matter because do you really need such a big house? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When you have the whole world for you because you can walk out of your house and go to the park. You can walk out of your your house and go to wherever you want and that's all for everybody. You know what I mean? Why do you need so much private property to feel good? You know what I mean? And so it's like people end up feeling trapped because it's like, you know, they always have to pay for this life that they feel like they need. And the more comfort they get, the more they get used to it. And the more they're, they'll, they'll sacrifice their time and their true passions to work and work and work to pay for all these things. And it's like, you know, this is a psychological trap where so many people live. And it's like, we talk about these things. We used to talk about these things in a song that came out nine years ago. And that made sense nine years ago and still made sense now. And it's still going to make sense in 20, 30 years. You know what I mean? Because it's the human condition. It's the world where we live is the reality and it's like our mortal condition is like I like to talk about things in our lyrics that there are things that humans are always gonna have to face so it's like you're never gonna hear me speak about like a specific matter that is happening right now that eventually in in 10 years doesn't even make sense to talk about you know I like to talk about things that are always related to the human condition Mm -hmm. and I think that there is a lot of bands like that in the past and like you know even the band Death, even Chuck Schuldner, for me, yeah. you know, like of course, yeah. for example, like you know, Max Cavalera has always been obviously very political because he really talks in his song about demonstrations and social injustice and all of this and true, like, true. but like for example, for me, Chuck Schuldner as someone that has always been super political in his lyrics without being obvious about it, without talking exactly. about specific yeah. Oh, yeah. situations. But it's like, you know, he talks about, like, you know, how easy it is to deny the pain of someone else's suffering, how relevant it is to this day that, you know what I mean? Or like, you know, asking for a suicide machine or asking, yeah. you know, it talks about when, you know, that when the people of power, once they're warning you, those with power will be there. You know what I mean? Who is he talking about? You know what I mean? It's extremely political and people don't realize it's that. And there is so True. many people that, like, they say... So many people, they say like, you know, keep politics outside of metal, and they <laughs> say that. They say that while they're wearing a, a death t-shirt, while they're wearing, you know, while they're listening to a Sepultura album from 1991, you know, when, while they're listening to these lyrics that they are extremely political. And of course, it's like, you know, to me, it's kind of silly because it's like when you're doing aggressive, extreme, obscure music you're already coloring to to people that they're not exactly fitting into the society they're not exactly fitting into what society wants you to be so it's like already creating a music that is for so many people is so disturbing to listen to because it's not harmonious it's not just beautiful for everybody it takes a certain kind of person to understand it it's like you know already wanting to create a, a music that is like that it's already extreme, an extremely political statement, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, we, we talked so much about death and uh, I'd just like to ask you one thing over here. That's uh, an awesome, like, the fact that we've talked, uh, talked about it uh, is why I'm bringing this question up, actually, because it's actually more of an observation. There's uh, the fourth track on the album, right, Asleep Forever. That has this lovely uh-huh. solo section in the middle, uh, where the guitar is. Yeah, where, where you have a really powerful solo over there. I don't know, but yes. the, the first feeling that I got uh, uh, upon listening to it was, oh my god, this sounds just like a Chuck Shaldana, uh <laughs> song. Oh, this I solo, was the only solo. One, huh? is 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 that is that like was that intentional? Am I even close as to that being an influence of it?
2: No, yeah, definitely. You know, Chuck Schulner has always been like a big influence for me. But it's like, you know, I have to tell you that like my influences come from a lot of bands, like not just one or two, not even 10, come from more than 10 bands, you know, come from a variety of bands. And some of them are not even metal, some of them are punk bands, some of them are Italian punk bands that nobody even gives a shit about. And it's like, but like definitely Chuck Schulner is like a huge influence. Absolutely, absolutely, a huge influence definitely, it's like for me it's also like what I learned a lot from, from the band Death is also like creating um, a song structure like a rhythm, a mm-hmm. rhythm section for solos, I yeah, did yeah. study like you know I, I do study this band and I do like you know because it's like uh, I know Sonny our guitar player is a really extremely talented guitar player you know he's 46 years old and he's like he has been playing since he was 15 and he's like he was already like a known talent by the time he was 17 he has played for like even like pop bands in front of oh, wow. thousands of people yeah he was immediately recognized as a very talented person and he's like you know he have played in bands that has played you know shows with Ozzy osbourne and like you know he has played like really big shows and like collaborated in a lot he's an amazing guitar player and he's like I know how talented he is, and to me it's like, you know, because I write the songs, I write the rhythm section, I write all of them. So it's like, I study, like, how can I create parts for solos that can give Sonny a way for him to express the best, you know, the best that he can be, the best that he can do. So I felt the responsibility of creating rhythm sections that, that were very colored. To a really great solo guitar player. So I did, you're right, I did listen to like Death. I listened to like uh, other bands, Morbid Angel bands that have like amazing solos, you know what I mean? And instead of concentrating on the solo, because it's like, you know, I concentrated more on the feeling that the rhythm under the solo can give to the song and also can give to the solo. And I concentrated more on like uh, certain changes of tempos. Can create the base for like an amazing solo that really has a feeling to it that is not just like you know some random riffs and then i'm like hey sonny here's like you know this really complicated riff why don't you write a solo on top of it i'm like you know i'm thinking about giving sonny like different um, tempos ways that like you know the tempo changes so then the notes changes so that he can change from a feeling into the solo, into the other one, because it's like the drums, the drums and the rhythm define so much the feeling of a riff. Because you can write a riff that can sound really evil with with a certain drum beat, it sounds very evil, but eventually you change the drum beat and it sounds very aggressive and all of a sudden it doesn't sound as evil anymore. Or like, you know, if you change the drumming again, can even sound more depressive and less aggressive so it's like you know the riff itself can change so much the feeling that he has to it when you change the drum beat under it so it's like I concentrated a lot on like you know the different feelings that music and solo get while by changing the drum beats. so it's like you know that's something some more work I paid more attention into that yeah, yeah. while I was writing Mortal Rather than when I was writing blood offerings, because like mm. initially like the, the band was born as just me and the drummer, so it's like we did not have a guitar player for the first two years of the band, so I was writing s- songs, and I was recording the guitar, but like I know how to play the guitar, but I don't know how to do solos, and so it's like I always <laughs> initially if you, listen, if you listen to the first two demos of Necro, there is no solos. And then, if you listen to the third demo, which is called the Abyss, that's when yeah. Sonny joined, and finally we had a guitar player. And he's like I was ri- i was still writing songs—in for a for the from the perspective of someone that doesn't really thinks about solos. You know, I was writing song, I was always writing songs that would would function, and they would be still perfect and really enjoyable without needing a solo. So eventually the, the bass base riff that I was giving to Sonny to write a solo on top of it eventually was a super cool riff that could have stand on his own too without a solo but eventually wasn't the best for someone who was trying to write a solo on top of it instead of mortal I concentrated more on like you know writing parts that were more like um, eventually they by themselves on their own. eventually they would be boring but eventually, they give so much more room to exactly. Sonny to fully express most, most it was of his talent. Than, yep. so it's like for me, yeah, there was you know that's why I'm telling you, it's like you know, from 2017, we played so many shows together, and also it's like you know, I got to learn and study more, and I got to learn also more about Sonny. I got to learn more about Chad, the drummer. I got to learn more about like you know the best qualities of the people I play with. And being someone who writes the songs, I have the responsibility to, to like, you know, write music that I like, that we all like, but also write music that it caters to their best talents. You know what I mean? Something that can amplify what's their best talents. You know? Because I do think about that when I write songs too, it's like, you know, I write songs that amplify even my talents. You know, I write songs that caters to my taste, but also that caters to my skills. So then I, you know, I started thinking more about like, you know, giving Sonny some rhythm basis for solo where he can really express himself to the maximum. And I think it's like, you know, all this work that we put behind it is like, you know, you I'm glad that you guys are noticing, you know what I mean? People are able to notice it without before even I explain it, you know, so it's great. It's working. (laughs) Great. Yeah.
1: So, you know. We've talked so much about Mortal and everything that went into it uh, we'd like to play a song from the album, which one sure. should we play, and why
2: Well, I think you should play asleep forever and it's like that's because it's like um it's a song that I'm really proud of yeah. because I feel that it's like uh, is a little bit more melodic than our usual standards, and it's a song that for me is gone. Mm. It's just something that, like, you know, when I wrote it, I loved it. and uh, But I had more doubts about it than the other songs, because I felt that it was, like, the one song that was a little more different, you know? And at the same time, I was worried, too. The way I was imagining the vocals, I was worried that I wasn't going to be able to sing it or to translate it exactly the way I imagined it. Because it's like I always imagine how the song, how my singing needs, needs to sound on top of a song. But then it's like you really have to practice it and then go and record it and re listen to it to really understand if that's going to ev- eventually translate exactly how you were imagining it. You know what I mean? And with Asleep Forever, it was like that. It's like, you know, I got into the studio and like hoping that it was going to translate exactly as, I was, as my vision was. And it happened. <laughs> It happened. We were, we were able to do that. And it's like, I'm, I'm, I was really satisfied with it because for me, it was a little bit more of like a gamble than other songs of ours that, like, you know, have more of like classic necro sound, classic necro riffs, you know what I mean? That belongs to us. This one for me is like, is a little bit, it's a slightly different. But at the same time, you listen to it and you can still tell that it's us. You know, it's not like something absurd. And at the same time, yeah, I'm just super happy that, like, you know, my vision translated exactly how the way I was hoping it was going to happen. So, yeah, I, sh- I think you should play it.
0: Awesome. So here it is. Here's a sleep forever.
1: I'm really glad you picked uh, "Sleep Forever" because uh, the amount of time I've spent with the album so far—that's the standout track for me. But awesome, you know, yeah. So you know, Luca, we've talked quite a bit. Uh, here's our final question, uh, and yes. we're gonna kind of probably give you a crystal ball for this. But uh, what's next <laughs> for Nec? What's next for Necrot? I mean, you know, after of course the whole Mortal album cycle, of course, and you know, whenever things get normal again, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, what's next for Necro? is hopefully going back to our usual routine, which is like, you know, playing a lot of shows and traveling and playing shows and working hard. But it's like if you have to ask me, like right now, it's like really what's next for Necro? is try to survive, try not to uh, lose our apartment, (laughs) you know, the situation, Uh, (laughs) I don't know. in the United States right now is really bad and like we live in a place that is got uh, really expensive through the years the bay area because of the tech industry so it's like life here life there was already getting complicated and now with coronavirus and all of this it got much more complicated so it's like right now it's like what's next for Necro is like surviving but then as, of course as soon as we'll be able to get back on playing shows that's what's gonna happen but at the same time, we don't have the crystal ball. And like, you know, this could take months, it could take years. Or things could yeah. never go back the way they were. So it's like, you know, I'm not, we're not holding our breath. So it's like, we're going to have to adapt as things move on. But like, you know, we are ready. Any moment, we are ready to go on, back on the road as soon as we can. But like, we right now, is we are more worried about like, you know, personal life. Yeah and like you know personal expenses and rent and you know how to come up with the money and all of that so like uh, right now we'll see but like the band is going to continue and uh, you know if if a year from now if 6 months from now there is still no uh, possibility to play concerts or anything in the future like that we're probably going to start concentrating on on another album on writing more music and you know Keeping ourselves busy with the band in other ways, but we're definitely not gonna be crying about it. You know what I mean? Whatever comes will come. But like you know, we were all we we were all upset. But it's like, yeah, yeah, that's a loser mentality to just sit down and and cry for what used to be. You know, that's that's not what we want. That's not how we want to live. So it's like right now we try and stay positive and like you know, and we're gonna continue as a band to the maximum extent that we're allowed. But, like, we're not holding our breaths. We're not depressed. We're not at home sad because we miss so many shows and things might never come back to normal. No, that's not how we are. So, we're going to be okay. Excellent.
0: Awesome. On that note, Luca, thank you so much for your time. This was thank
2: an you. excellent and, conversation. And if, if you know anybody in India that wants to uh, fly us out to India to, to book a show for Necro, well, you know, we like, we like to come That'll be awesome.
0: That'll be awesome. And plus, we we uh, would love to. Just a highlight here. Uh, We just have to shell out for maybe like three tickets for the band. That's it.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Why not?
0: (laughs) Exactly. All right. Excellent,
2: Luca. Thank you so much once again. And horns up. Horns up, man. Thank you, guys. Thank you for the very thoughtful interview. I really appreciate it. Have a good day.
0: I love it when we can geek out about details. Yes, I've heard and know that sometimes the larger picture matters the most. But damn, details, they matter so damn much.
1: I know that, you know, there are a lot of bands that are doing the death metal and punk uh, recently. But, you know, the sound that they've got, Necrot, on this album, Mortal, really helps them stand out from the rest.
0: I had absolutely kill for... uh eight track or an analog cassette master version of this album it fits that vibe doesn't it
1: i'd actually love to hear this on vinyl for some reason i mean one of the cool things about the few vinyl i've heard is that it actually makes you feel like you're in the room with the artist so actually yeah i mean this, this is one of those uh, albums i guess what i can get from both of us is we'd enjoy it in a more like analog fashion right as opposed to just listening to it on an mp3 or even on any of the streaming platforms
0: maybe but then again i think the boys at Netcrot have done such a fabulous job with production that they give you all that analog energy and that analog authenticity right here on the digital platform as such yeah, so it's one of those modern albums that really doesn't sound modern, but it actually makes it, but it actually sounds way classic. And that's something I really appreciate. Anyways, that's a wrap on this episode. You should have this memorized by now. Reach out to us at com or on the Twitter machine at hauntsuppod. I'm at Asmawani. I'm at Trend
1: Crusher. And this is Horns Up. Horns Up, guys.